Our reading this morning comes from Acts 11, verses 19, and can be found on page 1105 of the Pew Bible. The Church in Antioch. Now those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed travelled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word only among the Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and, great, and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, named Agapus, stood up and through the Spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. This happened during the reign of Claudius. The disciples as each one was able to decide to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea. This they did, sending their gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. Thanks be to the Lord. Father, as we look at your word, as we consider what you're calling us into as a church, open our heart to your word and your word to our heart, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Actually, that was a prayer that Charlie Cope always used to pray. Open our heart to your word, word to your heart. For those of you who might remember Charlie from years gone by, a former, former member of the church, gone to glory now. So we are in the last week, that's correct, isn't it, Eddie, of Loving Church. I think this is week eight. Uh, and we've been looking at different aspects of that as a church over the last eight weeks together. Uh, a gathering church, a welcoming church. Uh, last week, I think, was an honoring church. Uh, and today, it's ascending church. And I guess I would say this, wouldn't I, because of what I'm involved in in terms of mission, but I think this is what it's all about, really. If we're not ascending church, then we're being disobedient to the Great Commission, which says to go and make disciples of all nations. Uh, and I say that to encourage us, because we are ascending church. So that's not to tell anyone, anyone off, but I think this is at the heart of what God has called us to be. And we're looking in Acts chapter 11. Uh, loads has been written about the church in Antioch uh, over the years uh, and in terms of its, its, its missionary approach. Uh, and that's because this church in Antioch becomes a real sending place, a real center for sending people out. For example, three of Paul's missionary journeys, he sent out from Antioch. 
And so what we're looking at here today is the, is the genesis of this, really, the, the birth of this church and how it develops into this sending church for us then to learn from. And so, not surprisingly, uh, I'm going to come up with, with three different aspects of what it means to be a sending church from this passage and then how that applies to us in St. John's. Just a a couple of quick comments about Antioch. Antioch uh, was about 450-odd miles from Jerusalem. So that's that's quite a trek, really. It takes some days to get there. um, During the Roman Empire, it really grew as a city. It was the third largest city in the Roman Empire after Rome and Alexandria. They reckon it got up to about 500,000 maybe more than that, more than half a million people lived in this city. So that's a fairly large city, isn't it, for those days? I mean, to get your head around those kind of numbers, uh, that's like the population of the borough of Greenwich and the borough of Bexley put together. So that's, that's a lot of people, isn't it? Uh, and this is what, what is happening here. This is this, this church that's being born here in, in Antioch. If we had time and if we'd been reading through the book of Acts, uh, as we sometimes do in our series, uh, and I encourage you to go away and look at this, in Acts chapter 10 and then the first half of Acts chapter 11 is where the gospel really starts to go out to to the non-Jews, starts to go out to the Gentiles. It's, uh, It's quite surprising for them in those days that what you mean, not just Jewish people are saved, that Jesus has, has come not just for Jews, but also for, for non-Jews. I mean, I'm actually quite grateful for that as I stand here today, uh, because I guess most of us here uh, wouldn't claim any Jewish origin. Some of us might, but most of us are, are Gentiles. Well, we've got this chapter and the chapters just before it to, to thank for that, in a way, how the gospel started to spread from, non, from, non, from Jews to non-Jews. And that's where we pick it up here in, in, in the verse uh, 19 onwards. Those who had been scattered by the persecution when it broke out, when Stephen was killed, some went and, and spoke only among Jews, and then some of them, the brave ones, Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. And the Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. And verse 22 says, news of this reached the church in Jerusalem. In some translations, it says, uh, news reached their ears. I quite like that idea. You know, that you can imagine, can't you? Have, have you heard what's going on? Have you heard what's going on in Antioch? Gentiles are being saved. Really? Yeah. Gentiles are being saved. They're being brought to know Jesus as well. The Holy Spirit is, is working in them and being poured out on them as well. Wow. Oh, well. What are we going to do about that in Jerusalem? We'd better investigate. We'd better get off to Antioch and see what's going on. And so that's what they do. They send somebody to go and find out what's going on in Antioch. Now, you might have expected them to send an apostle. That would have been the, the obvious person to send. Send one of those who'd, who'd spent time with Jesus, who really knew all the ins and outs. Maybe, maybe someone to go and just, just make sure that they're correct in everything and, and give them a little chat, make sure they're following all of the rules and regulations. But they don't. Now, whether it's because 
they were all busy, the apostles, we're not really sure. They send uh, this chap, Barnabas. Well, of course they do. Of course they send Barnabas. I hope at the end of today, you've been barnabas In fact, if you go away from here and you feel disbarnabas or unbarnabas then we are getting something wrong as a church. We need more Barnabasity in this church. All right, I'm getting carried away there. What am I talking about? Who was Barnabas? Well, jump back to Acts chapter 4. You don't need to go there, just trust me, but you can look at it if you want. Acts chapter 4. It's all kicking off in the early church. I, I love the book of Acts. When people say to me, what, where should I start reading the Bible? My advice always is, read one of the Gospels, and then when you've read one of the Gospels, read the book of Acts. Because it all carries on. It's really exciting. It's, it's page-turning stuff. There ought to be a, a, a big kind of a, a film of it. There probably is, but, but a thriller. It's really exciting as it's all kind of breaking out and people are getting saved and miracles are going on and it's spreading, the Gospels spreading. And it's all kicking off there in Acts chapter 4. <clears throat> and it says that the, the believers were all together and they shared things. And this guy called Joseph, who's a Levite, sells a field to get some money together. And he brings it to the apostles and said, there you are. Now we can help care for one another. And they say to him, we're not going to call you Joseph anymore. We're going to call you Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. And that's what he's known on from that, from that point onwards. Barnabas, son of encouragement. My first point, we've got there in the end, begins with E. Ascending church needs to be an encouraging church. They need Barnabas to go along and find out what's going on. Look what Barnabas does when he turns up there in Antioch. When he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad and what does he do? Encourages them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. They didn't need a lecture about things. They needed to be encouraged in what was going on. First thing he saw, oh, let me encourage you, it's great. God's at work here. The Holy Spirit is at work. You're coming to know Jesus. It's fantastic. Let me encourage you. Let me encourage you to stay strong and adhere, as it says in some translations, to the Lord. Because it's going to be difficult at times. There are going to be ups and downs. But let me encourage you in that, to stay true to the Lord. Of course, that's what Ascending Church needs. It needs encouragement. Let's think about us. We need encouragement, don't we? We need encouragement as we particularly, well, always throughout the history of the church. But if you're feeling maybe a little bit discouraged about some things that are going on in society at the moment or in some parts of the church, let me encourage you with this verse. Remain true to the Lord with all your heart. Look at him. Look towards him. Don't look at all the things that are going on around, but look towards him. Let's, let's be encouraged. Let's encourage one another. Let's encourage in our small groups when we meet in the week. How's, how's your week been? How's your week been in the workplace? How's your, how's your week been at, at school? Has it been all right? Yeah, yeah, it's been all right this week, actually. No, it's been a bit tough. Well, let's come alongside one another and encourage. 
As I was preparing this this, this week, a friend of mine in, in America, he, he is an American, so he's not been sent from this country, he was going through a really difficult time. And I just felt moved to send him a little message, a little WhatsApp message, with a little scripture to say, just be encouraged. Because I know there's a really strong call of God in, on his life in terms of what God is sending him into. And he's trying to process that. But there's lots of stuff going on at the moment around him. And he's quite a dark sort of place. I encourage him with that scripture back in the Psalms about, you know, weeping goes for, an eve, goes for a night, but, but joy comes in the morning. I messaged him yesterday. He said, can I share this in my sermon? And he said, he said, yes, please do. It really encouraged me. Let's be encouraging of one another. Let's be encouraging to those who we send out into the mission field. The Medhurst on a mission out in India at the moment. Maybe this might just spark something in you. I know what I'll do. I'll just go and send them a little email this afternoon and see how they're doing. The mission, the sending that's going on in the workplace, the sending that's going on out further afield, or the sending that goes out, what, 25 yards from where I'm standing to food bank. We've already prayed for that today. Julia, how's it going at food bank? Or some of those on a Saturday morning, how's it going? We know it's about giving out food to people, but it's more than that, isn't it? I know because Helen, my wife's involved in it. It's, it's about putting an arm around someone, literally or metaphorically. How's it going? Chatting to them, talking to them, being Jesus to them, maybe even leading them towards Jesus as well as giving them a meal. Let's be an encouraging church. That's going on in Antioch. That's why they send Barnabas, the great encourager. Secondly, my second E, Barnabas then went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a, while, for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. Just a word on that before I pull out the second, the second point. Before this point, uh, we're not known as Christians. We're known as, for example, uh, people of the way uh, or, or some part of some kind of sect of Judaism. But, but we weren't known as Christians. And from this point onwards, uh, from Antioch on, we get known as Christians. And we, we own that name today, don't we? Commentators seem to be a bit conflicted as to, as to why they came up with that. I mean, it means a servant of Christ or, or believer in Christ. But like Barnabas had his, had his name changed, it, it, it could have been Antioch was known for kind of nicknames of people. Some suggest that it was a, a kind of disparaging term that came from, from non-Christians that they were using of this new group. Uh, some say, though, it was to bring a, a unity about that rather than seeing, as I've already said, about Jews becoming Christians and now with the new Gentiles coming in, it was a unifying word that expressed all of us, whether we're Jew or Gentile, we're known as Christians because we're servant of Christ. It doesn't really matter, but if you wondered why we're called Christians, that's where it all started all those years ago in Antioch. But back to my point. So Barnabas is an encourager, Ascending church needs to be an encouraging church, but he knows that's not enough. He knows, and he's humble enough, it would appear, to admit it himself. He needs some help here. 
He goes off and he finds Saul, or Paul as we more commonly know him, in Tarsus. Paul's been there for seven or eight years, teaching, preaching, moving in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. He goes off and he gets him to come along, probably about 150 miles. Why? Because ascending church needs to be an equipping church. Needs to be encouraging, needs to be equipping people. And they spend a whole year of teaching. We don't know exactly, of course, what they were teaching. We can only surmise. I suggest, though, because if they were a a largely Gentile, non-Jewish group, then they probably needed to know quite a bit about this. Because the Jewish believers already knew about salvation history. They knew the stories. They had that history within them. They'd been told it since they were at their mother's knee. Oh, we need to tell them. We need to tell them the salvation history. So probably a, a year of, 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 of teaching of the Old Testament stuff. But Luke does stress a lot in his book as, and in Acts as well about the, the move of the Holy Spirit. And we see that in, in Acts chapter 10 when the Holy Spirit is, is poured out on the Gentiles as well. And they start prophesying and, and speaking in tongues. I guess they need some teaching in that as well. How do the gifts of the Holy Spirit work? in these days. A lovely little segue for me here in terms of our evening services at the moment. Encourage you to come along to the evening service where we're looking at the gifts of the Holy Spirit and what that means for us today. As I say, we can only surmise, but it's not much of a surmise, is it, to see why they might need that equipping. And we need both. Because if we are just encouraged but not equipped, well, we've got this great fire within us that we're excited about, but but what do I do with it? How do I do anything with it? And if we're equipped without being encouraged, well, very soon, actually, when we get out there and it gets tough, we're probably going to down tools and be discouraged. Ascending church needs to encourage and equip. So let's think again about us as a church. Were you, for example, at the church weekend four or five months ago, whenever it was now? Actually, it was a little bit like Barnabas. Hold on, let's get someone from outside to come in and equip us. So what did we do over those couple of days together? We were thinking about our own testimonies, weren't we? and how we could hone those and work with those so we could get it down to three minutes so we could then share that with people. That's what that weekend was about, wasn't it? Maybe this is a little encouragement at this point, all these months on, to think, oh, yeah, I've forgotten about that. Maybe I should revisit that. Maybe as a small group, we should revisit that together, how we can share our testimonies to people. It's about being equipped. I know that the young people at the moment in their Bible studies midweek are looking at apologetics, And uh, my son Ben said to me, the best thing he did in the youth group six years ago, seven years ago, whenever it was, was apologetics. Because he said that really helped me. By apologetics, I mean things like, you know, what about suffering? Where does evil come from? Um, What are the proofs of the existence of God? What about other faiths? That kind of stuff. He said that really helped me when I went off to university. Because then I was in that area where I was having conversations with people and I felt equipped 
to have those conversations. Well done to the youth group leaders down the front in what you're doing. It's a, it's a vital part of equipping our young people as they go out there and face things. I didn't know Richard was going to do it, but that book, Living for Jesus at Work, is that the correct title? That's what I've written down. Um, is about being equipped in the workplace. Get hold of a copy of it. See how it will help you. But here's a challenge coming back the other way now to us in leadership. If you don't feel equipped, tell us. We want to encourage you, but we want to help equip one another. And if we've not got the skill set here, then we'll get Saul to come in and help us out. But let us know. Because we want to be a sending church that encourages and equips together. Thirdly, the last bit of the passage. You're going to have to give me a bit of grace here because I struggle to get an E. <laughs> we need to be a church that encourages. We need to be a church that equips. We need to be a church that is from God. You come up with a synonym for prophetic that begins with E, all right? I looked everywhere. But maybe just by being me about this, you might remember that. We need to hear from God. Whether you're from southeast London or not, you can hear from God. Because that's what goes on in the last bit of this passage. During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. Prophets, those with the gift of prophecy, um, but obviously heard what was going on from Jerusalem. They've got gifts. Again, it's probably a part of the equipping going on, but they want to be a part of it as well, I guess. Let's get down there. Let's see what's happening. We hear God's on the move, a bit like some of those who flew out to the, the revival that was going on in Asbury, was it, out in the States recently? I want to be a part of what's going on. So they traveled the 450 miles down there. And one of them, this chap called Agabus, stands up and through the Spirit predicts that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. And that is fulfilled, it says, in the reign of Claudius. That's not long after this point. And then the disciples, each was able, decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea. And this they did, sending their gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. Agabus predicts, Agabus prophesies that something's going to happen. He hears from God. But the hearing from God doesn't stop there. Oh, so a famine's coming. Right, great. Well, the hearing needs to go on, doesn't it? Well, what are we going to do about it? If we believe this is from God, let's, let's weigh this together, hear what he's going to say, say to us about what we have to do about it. And so they weigh it together and they make a decision and they send then this, this money, this finance back to the to the brothers and sisters in Judea. I've already mentioned uh, that we are looking in the evening at spiritual gifts. And, and when we started, when Richard did the introduction last week, um, I think I've got this correct, Richard, but we talked about different categories of, of, of spiritual gifts. And there's a prophetic category of gifts, including proclaiming the word of God. That's part of that prophetic gifting. And it also includes 
what we see here with that sense of prediction, of foretelling as well. There are other words in there, in, in uh, Corinthians that we're looking at, about prophecy, about words of knowledge. That seems to be what's going on here with Agabus here in the early church. We're encouraged in 1 Corinthians 14, 39, to eagerly desire the gifts and eagerly desire the prophetic gifts as well. So let, let me encourage us in that, to eagerly desire to seek those. That speaking forth of God's word, but also, yeah, those words of knowledge, that prophetic edge as well. Why does ascending church need to hear from God? Well, we get a little hint of it actually in this passage. There's a famine coming, it's going to affect the whole Roman world. Well, how are we going to affect the whole Roman world from Antioch? My point being of, of needing to continue to hear from God. Well, what's our part to play in that? Well, what we can do is we can get some money together and we can go and support one part of the entire Roman world. We need to hear from God in sending because we can't do everything. It would be great if in St. John's, with however members we've got, we could actually support every missionary work in the whole world, but that's impossible. We can't do that. There's hundreds. I tried to look it up and it took me ages. I didn't get very, very far. There's hundreds, there's thousands of different missionary organisations. We can't do everything that sounds a good idea. Oh, it'd be great if we could. You know, we, we're going out on the streets of the parish, but we can't do the whole of London. We can't do every single thing. This is why we need to hear from God and discern together what he's calling us into as a church and say, yeah, no, we're in this. This is what God has called us to do. Let's go for this. We see how the Antioch church starts to work this through in terms of sending only in the next chapter. Just very briefly, I'm going to come to a close soon. In Acts 13, so just over the page in my Bible, verse 1. Now in the church at Antioch there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean and Saul. While they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. They fasted, they prayed, they heard from God, and they sent them off. Now we don't get complete time scale here as to how long that weighing process went on. But you take my point, they heard from God. Two quick examples of how this has affected me personally in terms of mission and calling. Um, ten years ago, someone in this church sent me a prophetic word, uh, and I'm not going to embarrass that person by saying who it is, <clears throat> but that word still sits in my inbox uh, with all my emails. I don't know about you, I file everything away when I've dealt with it, but there's one email that still saves, stays there from ten years ago. Because I know what God has called me into in terms of sports chaplaincy, but there are times when it's a bit tough. And there are times when I face certain situations and I come back to look at that word just to encourage me, to remind me. And not weekly or anything like that, but it still sits there. It's important that we hear from God and have others hearing from God for us in what we're doing. 
one way I've seen it operate in a church, in my old church, as you know, I used to lead Charlton and Blackheath Christian Fellowship. And I don't think I've told this story before. If I have, you've heard it twice. <laughs> we had a service one Sunday morning, and the night before there'd been uh, a, big, a boys' brigade event, I think, and lots of people had come back for this event, and then some stayed on for our church the next morning. And uh, we were a church that were really encouraging the use of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and particularly prophetic gifts. And what used to happen, if someone felt something was stirring, they'd come and share it with whoever was leading before bringing it, just so we could make sure it was appropriate. And this guy came up and he said to me, I feel that there's this word for somebody in the church. Can I share it? And I said, yep, absolutely. And it went something like this. And we weren't a massive church. I'm not talking about there were 5,000 people there. And no disrespect, but maybe you've been in those things where there's 5,000 people and there's someone here with a bad back. Hmm. Yeah, there are lots of people here with a bad back. This was a church of about 60 or 70 odd. And this guy stood up and he said, there's a fireman here. You've gone away from the Lord. You made a commitment to follow Jesus a number of years ago. You've gone away from the Lord and you've come back today for the first time in a number of years. The Lord wants you to know that he welcomes you back with open arms, that he accepts you, that he forgives you, that he's got plans and purposes for you, and you're back at home today. Guess what? There was a fireman sitting there who almost fell off his chair. As a result, that fireman came back to the Lord. His wife was saved, and his two children then were brought up in the Christian faith. That's how I've seen the prophetic, that sense of the gift at work in terms of the sending and in terms of the mission. We've already prayed for this, but let, us, let me encourage us. Eddie put it out on the notices, if we call it that, on the, the bulletin. What do we call it, that email? Bulletin. bulletin. The email that for some reason ends up in my spam. I don't know why that is. I have to, anyway... Um, but one of the things he said in there was, for the last 15 years, Louis and Victoria have been on mission as part of us, sent out to the Vanbrugh estate. And they're moving on now. So we are praying as a, as a leaders' council, as a PCC, and as a church, what's the next step in that mission? We want to hear and discern from God together what God has got for us next on that estate. Now that's an exciting place to be, isn't it, church? So let's be in that together. Let's be listening to God together, expectant that he's going to speak because he wants to speak, because he wants that mission to carry on. Church, be encouraged. Church, be equipped. Church, hear from God. I'm going to pass back to Eddie very briefly, but I just had this thought. For one minute now, if you would, just to invite you to pray. If you're new to the church, don't feel awkward about this. You can just close your eyes. But I'm going to suggest you pray for the person next to you. Not with them, so it's not supposed to be embarrassing. Just in the quiet. You may know the person next to you, or you may not do. But just pray for them for this week, that they would be encouraged as they are sent, that they would be equipped as they are sent, and that they would hear from God as they are sent. Just for one minute in the quiet, and then Eddie will take us into the next part of the service.